Hello, and welcome to the 48th episode of the Midlife Pilot Podcast, a show where we talk all things aviation for those who are starting their aviation journey in their midlife. This podcast is all about sharing our experiences and the greater community's experiences of midlifers. So whether you're a student pilot, a seasoned veteran, or an enthusiast who maybe wants to learn, we're glad you're with us. My name is Ben. I'm an instrument-rated pilot here in Atlanta. Started flying at the age of 48, and I'm currently working on my commercial rating, which is starting to move forward a little bit. With me, as always, we have Brian in uh, Music Row in Nashville. Hey, Brian. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm exactly in the heart of Music Row on the far west side of Nashville. <laughs> it's but, Music Row to me, Brian. Yeah, no, but hey, hey Ben and uh, and everybody, I'm super glad that, to, to be here tonight. And I'm super excited about these guests. Uh, honestly, I mean, look, we had Josh Flowers on last week and you would think that that'd be kind of a big deal. But no, 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 this is a big deal. Absolutely. And let's give a quick shout out to Ted, our sport pilot extraordinaire out of Portland, Oregon. Hey, Ted. Hey, Thanks for uh, being here with us. And uh, we're going to get right into our our main topic tonight because we have a limited time with these two special people here with us tonight, Scott and Shelly Weckler, who are air traffic controllers and pilots and real estate agents in the Nashville area. And they are in the uh, B&A Tower or Uptown facility. So welcome, guys. We're really glad you're with us. Thanks. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Could you start out telling us a little, uh, uh, give us a brief bio, both of your backgrounds, your your pilots and air traffic controllers. We'd love to hear a little bit about it. Yeah. So um, we met flying in San Diego um, a long time ago. I don't remember the year. It was probably like 06, 07-ish. Um, and I was starting at the flight school and he was already almost finished as a CFI. And so we kind of started flying together there. Um, and then we started dating after that and kind of moved all around. Um, both of us were flying. He'll tell you about his flying career, but I did flight instructing and did some charter work. And then um, ended up getting hired on with the FAA in 2015. Um, when they hired you on, they basically send you out to Oklahoma, went out there, they transferred us to the Boston area. And then from there, we eventually got transferred back to Nashville, which is where I'm from. Um, but yeah, that pretty much sums up our aviation career. Yeah, I uh, we moved to Florida from San Diego in 2009 for, uh, for some chasing some airline jobs uh i was uh, i worked for a cargo company a part 135 cargo company called flight express and no longer are in existence or airnet now um so i did 135 cargo for a while uh then i switched over to 130 part 135 passenger uh carrying similar to cape air we flew 402s basically back and forth through the bahamas and and south florida and a little bit of the south united states uh i was their chief pilot for three years director of operations and then Shelly and i I decided to jump over to the dark side of the FAA and, mm-hmm. and switch roles. And uh, so we both got hired 2014, 2015. They shipped us up to Boston. Uh, I was at Boston Center for uh, f- four years. She was at the uh, executive tower there. And then we finally got transferred back to Nashville in 2018, uh, where her family's from. So we've been here since then. Back nice. when we were trying to kind of pursue the airline career, they it, it's shocking what they were paying back then. It was basically nothing. It was yeah. uh, was like twenty five thousand a year. To yeah, sit, I, right seat in a CRJ. Some some of them were some that I was looking at during that time frame were sixteen to twenty thousand a year. Yeah. So, well, all of that all of that is better than what we do as midlife pilots because what we do. Uh, a friend of mine who is an Airbus driver for a major airline, he said. He said, Brian, what you do is recreational gas burning. So, um, <laughs> so as much as it was maybe ill-advised for you to be, uh, you know, uh, yeah. escaping low-paying pilot jobs, there's nothing more ill-advised than what we're all doing. Exactly. And, and what my hope is, is when I get my commercial and I retire, I just want to fly somebody else's airplane yeah. and not incur the expenses. That's going to be a pay raise by itself. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing it right. I think it's, it's, it's different, um, doing it when you have to do it versus when you get to do it and when you want to do it, it's, it's completely different. I'm sure you guys know that. That's a great point. Brian, why don't you, uh, kick us off with, um, you, you, how you met these folks and, um, you know, what you got in mind? Well, um, I met Scott. He, um, he said, uh, I have a number for you. 
to copy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and no, uh, <laughs> he gives out his number a lot. It's the strangest thing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had someone. Wait, is that on frequency or not on frequency? That's what I wanted <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically what happened was, um, uh, you know, S- Scott is pretty, you know, both of you, you guys are pretty visible in this area and, and a, in a great way. Um, you know, I really appreciate your, your advocacy and the level of engagement that you guys, uh, you know, from the, everything from the 99s to, you know, going around and talking about the super Charlie and getting everybody up to speed or, or whatever. Uh, you guys are really special people to have here and, and appreciate that. Um, I didn't really understand how, you know, uh, great you were until i uh messaged scott and he's actually messaged me back it was sort of like i mean you know it's like when you get a it's like you email like a like a you know a musician you like or something all right and they get back to you it's like oh my god okay what do i say you know what um you know but uh but scott you were so gracious and and helpful and and um and so i really appreciate that but um but yeah so you know for me it's uh, been, you know, I, I got my license in 2021. Uh, I'm sorry, certificate. I got my certificate in 2021 <laughs> and, um, and it's been, you know, uh, a, an interesting challenge learning how to fly at John tune untowered. And then the tower opened the last three weeks of my training and check ride, you know, so that was a strange oh, yeah. thing to be at the same airport, but now it's, it's towered. Yeah. And, and then there was also the idea that um, it's towered, but they don't have a radar. So then as a young, you know, certain, not young, but a, an older new pilot, I don't even really understand fully what the implications of that are right from a functional standpoint i'm still trying to figure out if a if a phenom is a a fast plane or like some home-built job like i don't know what's going on you know and uh and uh so that was an interesting place to come up and then adjacent to uh you know the the nashville uh class charlie airspace you know in the beginning you know it's a very you know scary kind of thing for for new new pilots but you guys have always been uh so helpful and, and so good and um and, uh, you know, I, I know that's important to you. Maybe I'll give you a chance to, to speak to it, but, uh, you like other controllers, you know, I think all have this uh, sort of a similar mindset, maybe not all many other controllers that yeah. you're in the customer service business, right? Maybe you can speak a little bit to, to how your, your mindset is. Yeah, certainly not, not all. Um, <laughs> I will say, uh, we, because it's a stressful job, you, you, you sometimes forget that, uh, we are there as servants of taxpayers, um, without you guys flying and without taxpayers paying taxes, we don't have a job. So we are there for you guys. Um, and, and we are there as, in, to provide a good customer service. Now, when it comes to safety issues and and stress, obviously that tends to go out the window first uh, in order to get our mission accomplished, which is to ensure safety. Um, that tends to go out the window a lot faster with certain people versus others. Uh, but no, I think I think it's a really important point that that's what we're there for, and that's why Shell and I go around quite a bit and are are very out there with the aviation community just so we can learn from you guys just as much as you'll learn from us. It's much easier for us to talk about this stuff, obviously, when we're you know not working and we have time to really answer questions and just you know kind of get some feedback too on on our end of what what can we do better for the flying community as really important to us as well to take that back to our facility yeah so i wanted to ask a really quick question i'm sorry brian i know you're you're ready to go but when when they were designing the super charlie um the fa was looking at it do they look at input from the local controllers as well as airlines where who are they gathering information from to build this thing out and maybe we should give a little context about just the fact that this just happened here right that yeah sorry we just had a major change in the airspace in nashville right yeah so so we've been collecting data for 
uh, quite some time on the issues with our old class Charlie. Our old class Charlie was deficient in many areas. The whole point of, of protected airspace is to ensure participating aircraft uh, are, are kept away from non-participating aircraft. We want non-participating aircraft to be able to do what they want to do, but we also have to ensure that they're protected from, they are protected, and so are the participating aircraft are protected equally. Um, so our airspace did not allow for that to happen. Um, there I have I have slides in our presentations that we've done that show aircraft on glide slope coming into Nashville would actually go into the class Charlie at 10 miles, come back out on glide slope and not really be in protected airspace until about a four or five mile final. That means wow. that an aircraft could a non-participating aircraft VFR not talking to ATC could be circling on glide path at the at the final approach fix and no aircraft could get in Nashville. You could shut down Nashville. Um, and same thing with the north and south side. So that happened routinely. Um, there's more issues all around the airspace, but that was the biggest problem that, that we faced. We had been trying to change that for years and years and years. So collecting data. Um, we, we logged. We, were, we started logging it. I don't remember how long we logged it, but we sent hundreds and hundreds of incidents to the FAA for them to evaluate the data just just as part of in the infancy stage of them sort of getting ready to do the roundtables to redesign the airspace that was some something that they sent to that like so they could just evaluate all of that data and making those decisions they don't make them lightly that's for sure wow yeah i mean it's it's also I, one of the first things that came to my mind when i understood that that's these changes were coming uh, that's now going to require a lot more people to talk to you, which is good. Um, but I just thought, wow, there, it seems like they're at capacity, right? Um, so how does it make sense? Um, but I, but I, I, I reasoned this kind of on my own and it ended up seeming like it might be true, which is it's actually less work to do that, to, to communicate with that many more people as opposed to, the amount of communication it takes to work around people that are not talking. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent correct. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, we don't have a staffing issue at Nashville. We're not allowed to say that. What we do have is a volume issue at times because yeah. we don't have controllers to handle the volume that we have. <laughs> um, so it's not a staffing issue. Um, Thank you. But, uh, but at any rate, the, um, you're hundred percent correct. The, that was our concern too, is when we, when we expand the class, Charlie, you now call us at, right off John tune and, and you're pretty immediate. You need some service. Otherwise you're going to have to stay low and, and go West. And are you going to be able to get that? Uh, there was a lot of concern from the general aviation pilots and it was valid. We didn't know. We don't have abundance of staffing to open up additional positions to handle a bunch more people calling us. However, what we found so far is we have decreased the amount of safety alerts and safety events that I've seen so much close to the airport where it's most crucial because you have the jets that are lining up on final. They're the closest they're going to get together. They're low. There's not a lot of outs because they're all descending, you can't really climb them back up. So playing that guessing game of, you know, what are you going to do when you're skirting the class Charlie on a six mile final and I've got 15 aircraft lined up on final, do I break them all out? Um, that kind of went away. So it allowed us to take safety event time and, and now allocate it more towards more people calling us, yeah. which has just increased safety. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe you got, you can tell me, Brian, if you've experienced any issues getting services around Nashville since we expanded the class, Charlie. Uh, well, first I just want to say that uh, the Nashville controllers are the best controllers in the world. And I've never had any, <laughs> I've never had any issue. Uh, if you're familiar with my tail number, just, you know, no, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's it's been great and in fact uh i've noticed right away um the challenge before even when you were trying to do the right thing is uh you just couldn't get on um and i don't i think that the 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 challenge is at least for me i don't like to fly low 
um, around like when I'm taking off either to the, especially to uh, the North, but either way at John Toon, I don't like to be low. There's not a lot of good places to go. Right. Um, right. And so I'm looking to move this along, but I, I noticed right away uh, with the super Charlie um, that, that John Toon was issuing more preemptively frequency changes just to, you know, get you to move on and, and, uh, and telling you to contact Nashville and being able to get Nashville, uh, more quickly seems like that's been happening. I mean, sometimes even like on, you know, like a crosswind or something or just right. A right, right on the way out. And so it's comforting because I don't like to get myself up to, you know, 2200 or something and just be like, ah, you know, all right, I'm just yeah. going to hang out here for a minute and then hope, you know, but I have had, uh, definitely flights just before the super Charlie where, um, you know, fly out to the South and just like, I guess we're going to go to muscle shoals until we can get on with somebody because it's <laughs> yeah. so busy. Right. So it's been a lot, it's been a lot better if, 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 if that answers your question. And, um, yeah. and okay. I have, um, I guess become somewhat of a uh, exemplary poster child for exactly how to do it wrong, uh, before. Um, and so maybe we can, uh, Ted, if, you know, I'd like to play this not only as an homage to our bag of words segment, but I also just want to show some real world examples of what the problem was before. And one of these, I think it's the first one, Ted. Um, and Oh, and by the way, Scott, I don't know what your voice sounds like right on the radio. <laughs> and, and I know no, that there's only, <laughs> I know I that there's only, I know that there's only actually seven controller voices total in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't know which one yours is, but um, in this video clip, I don't know if it's you or if you'll probably know who it is, but I'm, it'll be hilarious to me if it is you, because you are giving me the third degree about where I am flying. That's not oh. me. And so to, to give the context for it, basically, um, this is pre super Charlie, um, this, you know, the, to give people context and our audio podcast listeners will have to just kind of bear with us. But, uh, the super Charlie here, um, John tune is over here to the left, the little sort of, um, blue to the left of this, uh, airspace. And I was flying North, um, and basically looking to turn inbound at some point to do uh, a downtown tour, which by the, by the way, guys, you guys are so nice about granting those. And I imagine that every day you're like another downtown tour, you know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like how many times has this guy seen downtown? Yeah, um, right. But, uh, but I was flying North. And so what I was doing is, you know, probably a new pilot thing, but I just thought, well, I'm going to fly runway heading and climb to about 3000 and get myself to a place, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to call and try to get in and try to make that contact. Um, and I was flying, uh, what I believe to be runway heading <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens here. And if it's, if hopefully this is the right clip, but yeah, uh, maybe I think I've got the right one here. Ted, let's go to the clip. Let's go to it. If our call for flight following. Uh, Archie 2123 Kilo, like a downtown tour. Uh, we were 3,500 PA 28 just off of John Toon. Air 2123 Kilo, squad 0430. 0430, 2023 Kilo. We got a plane coming really close. Your radar contact, 10 miles north of John Toon Air 4, traffic off your right side, less than mile 3,400 on final. Not a good idea to fly up the final for the Air 4. You can. Uh, Turn right, heading zero nine or zero. Maintain VFR. I'll get you towards downtown here in a moment. Right turn, two three kilo. Two one two three kilo. Traffic to one o'clock in a mile uh, east northeast. About one thousand five hundred indicated a helicopter. Additional traffic off your left side, less than a mile southeast bound, indicating five thousand. Traffic up side, two three kilo. Two one two three kilo. Uh, resume on navigation to downtown. Oh, navigation downtown, two three kilo. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not a good idea to fly through a final, I think, is what we just want to make sure I was. Clear. Nobody told me <laughs> it's legal. It's not a good idea. Was that you? No. Gosh. No. Oh, no, no. Shelly, was it you? <laughs> but I will say this. voice, but not that much. Maybe you can credit Brian for being the straw that broke the camel's back. You were logging all of these incidences of people flying through this airspace so you could report at the FBA. Maybe that his was the one that just pushed it over the edge. Yeah. Same tail number every time. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that plane doesn't exist anymore. It got flipped over in the uh, gradient winds of last March. Uh, oh. So, uh, so I don't, you, you don't know who I am anymore. You don't know my town. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, like, but what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so yeah, it, it, what you are doing obviously is not ideal when we get that a lot, when someone departs John to, let's say South and then they turn right and they want, even if they're going to say hello and not, not talk to us. And then they start veering, you know, on the right down towards like a zero three zero heading, which starts to cut off the final, you know, starts to veer towards the Northeast and they think, well, we're out of the Delta, not a big deal um, to the North Northeast of John tune. However, you got to think, Everyone that's coming into John Toon, IFR, or doing a practice approach, we're lining them up on a 10, 12-mile final. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're descending from 3,000 feet to 2,000 feet from, you know, 10 to 5 miles out. So where you're putting yourself, even though you're north of John Toon, you're north of the Charlie, you're at 3,000 feet, well, you're right there on glide path <laughs> on the localizer. Um so yeah, that's that's not a great idea. But you know, again, that's that's one of the reasons why we do these things. I, it's uh, before I was a controller and was just a pilot. There was a lot of things that I did, like when I was flying VFR and I was getting vectored all over the sky in Miami, and I'm going, I'm VFR. Like, all right, cancel yeah. flight falling. I'm going on my own. This is BS, right? <laughs> um, and I'd cancel, and they said, send me on your own. And all of a sudden, I hear them turning airliners all over the place all around me and i go good <laughs> right i don't have to, I, yeah. I don't have to waste any gas but now i see they're they're turning these airliners which is which is implementing uh safety risks and hazards into the nas which is i'm the one flying in the airplane not the controller so he's no matter what happens they're sitting in a seat you're the ones in the airplane so whether while it may seem you're getting turned a little bit further than you you want if it's if it's for safety and it's for your safety then you know it's it's important so again one of the reasons why we go around and do, do talks is just so it's it's understood it's not always understood um unless you see it firsthand like this i i think it's important that that you i think it's great that you guys do that and i think it's important for around the country in the national airspace system and the NAS that other controllers talk about these situations with their own respective areas. Um, I've been fortunate to tour Atlanta TRACON and it wasn't until I did that till I really got a clearer picture of what those guys are doing. They've got four deltas that they're routing GA traffic around the busiest airport in the world oftentimes. So I, I think it's extremely valuable for controllers like you guys to, to get out to the community and talk to these GA pods, because if we all had the same understanding, I, I think if Brian kn knows now what he didn't know then, he probably would be blasting off to a, a final approach somewhere. Right. Probably. I'm not going to make that. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I'm a little bit more uh, experienced in the NAS in general, but you know, Hey, somebody had to raise their hand and be the, the village idiot. Um, so, yeah. Do you guys do tours at BNA? We do, yeah. They're they're kind of limited just on on when um, because of our uh, staff, or I'm sorry, our volume. Your volume issue. <laughs> volume issue that we have, um, but uh, we we do, and you know, it's it's also equally important to it. Had an issue the other day, we're not a situation the other day with an aircraft that was encountering some icing, and um, the reverse is also important. I'd say. You know, Shelly and I, and then maybe four or five other controllers there are, are actually pilots. That's it. Um, so you're dealing with a lot of controllers too that have never flown. You know, if you're getting icing conditions, we 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 go over that stuff in recurrent training. However, you know, if you hear it once a year about what a pilot's experiencing and you're doing all these other things, are you really going to remember it in the time versus a pilot that's actually experienced that knows, knows how to handle that situation. So it's important for us to uh, get, 
your guys' experience and what we could do to help. So if you guys ever have any sort of, Brian, if you ever have some sort of actual serious issue or serious situation like icing, you're encountering icing and you want to come in and discuss, hey, here's, I really appreciate you guys doing that. Here's what you guys did. Or, you know, here's what I was experiencing. I mm-hmm. think that's a very valuable thing. And, and, you know, in Atlanta and in Portland, where you guys are at, that's something that, you know, if you have a situation like that, that may be beneficial for the controllers to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I fly out about the, the 10th busiest Delta, approximately, and uh, I, I toured their tower recently. I've been in the in the Charlie, but this is the first time going to the, the Delta. And I said, I, I thought you didn't like to give flight following. They're like, oh, no, we love it, you know, like on the ground. And I was, you know, I must have just had a time in the past that they were too busy to do it or something. And right. so I've been trying not to do it ever since then and <laughs> waiting and calling up the Charlie trying to get it before I got into their, their, oh, path. Yeah. and you know, so it was like things like that where it's just good to actually talk to the people and sure. you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Does the, um, how does it affect you or change your, I guess your, your daily operation, uh, how does John Toon not having a radar affect your life? Oh man, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's been very impactful. Um, you know, prior to them opening the tower, a lot of times you could just coerce people into canceling and going on their own. And so, <laughs> you know, you'd have you know five or six IFR inbounds to John Toon, and you could you know say, "Well, you're number four and they go, "Oh, okay. Well, we're just going to cancel and go be four and so they they would just be canceling. And so they're like, "All right." So it would cut down the amount of sequencing that you had to do exponentially. But then when you talk about their equipment limitations, I mean, they don't have radar scope. And I know that you said that you know as a newer pilot, maybe you don't really fully understand all the implications of that but one of them is they don't have a, a FIDO which is what would print out an inbound strip so they have no way of knowing who's coming to them they have no way of knowing what IFR traffic they're getting so we actually um, while you're working the west position you actually have to call them on the landline oh, John wow. inbounds and you have to read them every single IFR inbound that's oh coming my gosh in addition to working all of your live traffic. So you're trying to find a time, you know, and so you hear like I'm on the landline and, but it is so true because you do spend such a large amount of time on the landline that, you know, you've also got pilots calling you at that time. And so then you, we also have to read everybody's clearances. So they're just the middleman. Um, so we read the clearances to the John two controllers and the John two controllers read them to the pilots. Um, so so if you have, if you have your, your, you call clearance for your flight plan and they they take a few minutes that's because they're trying to get a hold of us to get the flight plan yeah so as we're working our traffic we're now then having to also read clearances you know to a controller who's then relaying them to you um so what we need to do here is to all of our midlife pilot audience write your senators and say we need radar and fido at john tune badly it it was so weird yeah like it was noticeable yeah, makes no sense. Th- the first time you're going in there, like, where are you? And yeah, well, and that also Excuse too, um, for, for efficiency, you know, <laughs> if they're counting on position reports, so if you call up and you say you're five miles and 10 miles to the North, but you're really 10 miles South, they think you're 10 miles North. They have no idea. Um, also if you're waiting to take off and they have traffic on a three or five mile final, you're sitting there and you go, why am I not? taken off like this is ridiculous Mm -hmm. i haven't seen an aircraft forever i easily could have got out well i can at nashville we can hit a we say hit a gap we can put an aircraft a jet if there's a jet on a on short final cross the numbers we can put one in position with another one on a four mile final and that's jets going 120 five knots um so a four mile gap we can hit uh, for a departure at john tune they may not hit a four mile gap with cessnas doing right. 60 knots because <laughs> they can't see where they are and it, right. it's like it's really difficult to see too i mean you can have a citation going you know 100 knots on a three mile final and you can hit that gap you're only going <laughs> 100 knots if you've got a headwind or something you can hit that gap but if you don't have the radar you can't rely on the, the pilots to tell you the speed they they barely know where they are you know with well, call. and so yeah. they're calling well, on a three final and they might be on a four and a half or five because you know they're not they're not going to give you pinpoint accuracy like a radar scope 100%. would 
And that's not their fault. That's just they're giving you an approximation of where they think they are. And so it's, it's very difficult to hit those gaps. For sure. Our mileage call-outs are scientific wild-ass guesses. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what they are. We do have a quick question in the audience uh, that I wanted to uh, squeeze in real quick. Uh, Captain Todd asked when it fits in the show, what's the ideal order for a flight following request? I've heard that the, the order a lot of CFIs teach isn't the order controllers type into the computer. All right. Brian, what order would you give? I'm curious. <laughs> All right, this is great. Oh, oh God, I love okay. it! Wow, wow, this is this is the this is the peak moment of this whole two years of doing this podcast. I hope I can live up to it. Okay, so my flight following call would be uh, Nashville approach Cherokee five one one six Lima. Um, I would say with you know with a request, right? Then you say okay, and then I would say basically requesting flight following to X Y Z. Um, 3,500, uh, whatever. Or, no, I'm sorry. I would say, <laughs> sorry, Cherokee, 516 Lima, whatever, three miles off of John Toon, um, uh, VFR flight following to whatever place, um, uh, altitude, whatever, 3,500. And then, uh, last thing, PA 28. I, from what I understand, that's the key thing on the strip is that, that you guys never hear the beginning part anyway. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Yeah, so based off of that, I do remember talking to you. Uh, and, <laughs> um, yeah, you're and you're not on a list. Yeah, you're no, on the list. Yeah, no, 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 no. So that's that's basically it. So we're just looking for call sign, and, and I I appreciate a initial call. Um, you can some controllers say no, just give me it all at once. But if I'm not ready to listen, I'm not going to hear it. I'm probably not right. going to hear it this. Um, so I appreciate a request call first. That way I'm listening. And if I'm doing something else, I can get back to you. But yeah, call sign, um, destination, uh, type aircraft and altitude is how we put it in. We don't oh. do, we don't, we don't have kilo. If you say kilo, what happens is you go, there are one, two, three, we're departed John Toon going to, um, wherever, uh, Dixon. So, or I don't know, kilo, kilo, Bravo, Bravo whiskey. whiskey golf. So I start typing in kilo, Bravo, whiskey, <laughs> you say golf. And I go, okay, backspace, backspace, but you're still continuing talking. Right. <laughs> so my brain's going, all right, backspace, backspace, uh, Bravo, whiskey, golf. And then I have to go PA. All right. What altitude did you want? So we don't use kilo. You don't have to use that. The center can use that. Um, but they automatically put it in, so it, it doesn't. You don't need to ever say that. Yeah, you won't hear the center controllers complaining about kilo. It's always terminal controllers because our equipment capabilities are very different. Yeah. So uh, that's the order. It doesn't matter so much if you do it in a different order. I wouldn't say you have to change things or really think about it. It's it's four things. Obviously, your call signs first, and then after that, it's destination, type aircraft, altitude. Uh, if those last couple things are, are mixed up, it doesn't matter so much. What, what uh, about what? about where you are so that's that's a good thing to say if if you want to say we're you know 10 miles west that gives us an idea if you're not where to look first of all and if you're not even in our airspace because there's no sense of getting yeah. out that information right. um, or we had to be close to another another tail number uh, you know or something and get misidentified and then assigned yeah. wrongly you know well, so we don't identify you until we give you the squat code and we see that squat code change. So I won't right. radar identify you until I see your transponder change, and that's how I ensure it's you. Um, I will say, too, one of the things that we always say is uh, I, I get calls to going to, um, you know, uh, cab Peachtree, Peachtree DeKalb. Um, I always tell people, I barely know the identifiers for the airports in my airspace. I certainly don't know the ones outside my airspace. Um, right. So I, I much rather prefer just the three letter identifier for where you're going. Also, you're flying a, you know, Spitfire aircraft. I have no clue what that is. Just get <laughs> the identifier for what it is. Otherwise I'm, we're just going to go back and forth. Um, so uh, again, three-letter identifier for where you're going and the identifier for type aircraft is, is very helpful for me. Even if you do know it, sometimes you're so busy, you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what's it, what is that again? And then you don't have time to really think about it. So It, it seems like the counterpoint to that is I, I hear you know students who are struggling 
on the radio and you know they're like i'm going to smyrna k m q y i know where smyrna is you know like you're not going far enough away that, that this is not unknown and yeah, yeah. it's yeah. smyrna ted yeah <laughs> and we also have we also have lebanon it ain't lebanon yeah. lebanon lebanon Lebanon. A lot of Lebanon. people say Smyrna. A lot. <laughs> we also have Lafayette. 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 I was thinking Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> so really? now, wait, do you guys ever? Uh, you guys are since you're both pilots, especially, and you had to learn, right? Just like everybody else, at some point. Do you? I'm curious whether you have like a soft spot when you hear student pilots or people that are struggling that are clearly new at it, or do you just get irritated? <laughs> No, not at all. I uh, I get irritated when I hear controllers not <laughs> helping those pilots out. Again, you know, uh, a little bit of a uh, empathy for them too. They're they're not pilots. Some of those controllers aren't pilots, and they don't know what it's like. So, getting frustrated as teachers, getting frustrated with your student does no good. It's not going to do me any good. It's not going to do her any good. I have taught tried to teach her when she was going through instrument training and that didn't <laughs> she's not agreeing <laughs> yeah so um so i know we know how that is to get frustrated it's not going to help anyone so we're very very um uh, uh nurturing towards them and, and helping them out because the last thing you want is to yell at them and then it create a safety issue and be any even worse so yeah and the other thing that i really like is when people put check ride in the remark section because when i'm in oh. the tower if i'm working ground i will always ask or even if i'm on local i'll say did they pass put them on the spot you can hear the sometimes the examiner will key up and say something oh yeah and the vectors so fun. the vectors that i give are i am babying them on to <laughs> that is so cool that you're on a check ride will be a lot more, you know, well, at least we will be a lot more forgiving with things. So just kind of <laughs> good to know for the IFR check ride, especially. Yeah. Well, I don't know if my DP is going to allow me to file a flight plan for my commercial, but if I do, I'm definitely going to put yeah, that in there. That. So thanks for that. Well, <laughs> send me a message. We'll get a hold of someone at, in Atlanta. And Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, so I, I know you guys have to go fairly soon, but um, one thing I wanted to ask uh, is, um, since you both are pilots and controllers and obviously, uh, married, do you issue brasher warnings to each other? <laughs> <laughs> she has my number. <laughs> do you issue brasher warnings to your kids? <laughs> I have a number for you to copy. No, we maybe we start doing that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So, um, what advice would you have? Uh, or actually let me back up and put it this way. If you could impart one thing to a, a lot of pilots that are like us that use the system and we do the best we can and you know all that, um, if you had sort of like a key piece of advice, what would it be for people that are maybe perhaps newer pilots or student pilots? Um, mine would just be to understand that uh, the frustration maybe that you hear, you know, it's it's hard not to let that discourage you um but the frustration that you hear is not necessarily towards you or personal obviously it's it's that controller's way of handling a stressful situation um obviously our main goal is to make sure everyone's safe if i have to repeat something to you four times well four other aircraft are getting close to each other it's it's nothing personal it's just it's a stressful situation that may be how i handle stress so not taking it personal, not getting discouraged. And if you need a controller to do something for you, like slow down or, or, or say something again, that's a lot better than just saying, I don't want to ask them again. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, or misinterpret and, something. Yeah. And it, it, it goes, it goes a lot, as you can expect, it, it turns into a lot worse situation. I think, uh, you know, that, that, uh, we definitely don't want that to happen. Yeah. Oh, and just, I'm, I'm going to be selfish since I have you here. Also, um, if I'm on a 10 mile final into zero two at John Tune, and I'm on with BN, uh, BNA, and I say I've got John Tune in sight, I'm 10 miles out, but I'm at 3,000 feet, so I'm still in the Charlie. Yeah. Um, and you guys let me go. Yeah. Um, to go ahead and call Tune. Um, 
I'm in your airspace, but you're not talking to me anymore. Is it just because we've already, we've previously established two-way radio contact or does that expire? Or is it just an expectation that I'm going to be getting down below 2,400 sooner than later? Or how does, what's the thought on that? Yeah. So that's a good question. And we, we, we've covered that and that it's a, uh, previously, and it's a, it's a good question because it's kind of a gray area and, and definitely open to some misunderstanding. If we put you in a situation, we expect you to be able to reasonably maneuver the aircraft. So if we put you, let's say five miles from the Charlie at, you know, 4,000 feet, we don't expect you to nosedive it and do a 90 degree turn in order to avoid it. If you're in the Charlie, we expect you and we terminate your radar. We expect you to most expeditiously exit the Charlie. We don't expect you to immediately be out of it by magic, but most expeditiously. So if you're orbiting downtown and we, you say you're going back to John Toon, we say radar service terminated, contact Toon Tower. We don't expect you to then climb up to 3,500 feet, go towards Nashville, do a little circle over Opryland, and then go back into Toon. <laughs> so uh, that being said, if you're 20 miles out of John Toon to the north and you're at 3,000 feet or 30 miles out, you have some reasonable you can reasonably uh, or you can maneuver the aircraft reasonably to avoid the class charlie and we expect you to do that so it is an expectation it's, it has to do with basically just uh common sense um we don't expect you to nosedive the aircraft if you've been talking to us however if you are terminated far enough away and let's say you're doing some maneuvers you don't then just have a free pass all day to go through the class charlie because you were talking right. to <laughs> uh, so uh, we had that situation actually a couple days ago and it was i was i was involved in it, working an aircraft that was coming from the east side going over to john tune um and about 15 miles north he was terminated He's going into John 2 and clips the class Charlie. The West controller didn't know East controller was talking to him. So we called. We issued a brash to him on the ground. Welcome to find out. He was talking to us. So, like, that's there's nothing he did wrong at all. And and he, there's no issue with him. It'll, it'll all go away. Um, and and that's all recorded. And that's what that's what the reviews are there for, um, the review of the tape. So when you get a brasha, we'll review everything. It's not this immediate pilot deviation. That's why we say possible is because then we go and review it. And if we find that it was our fault, then, you know, nothing happens. Wow. That, so I've probably almost gotten a couple, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I never intended to, but that, that, that helps a lot. Um, thank you. I know you guys, do you guys need to go now? You, you, you have a, no, we're, we're we, got, for a little we bit. got a few more minutes. <laughs> we do have one question uh, from our chat room. Um, it brings it up. Uh, Juliet Echo Foxtrot uh, controller can be can be bad. Sorry, I just lost my entire computer. How do has both of you being controllers affect um, your lifestyle like that? Um, we, we work a lot of opposite schedules. We've got two little kids. And so we kind of try to sacrifice seeing each other for one of us to kind of be there with the kids as much as, as humanly possible. Um, sometimes not seeing your spouse all the time. Isn't the worst thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I can assure you my wife would agree with you. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. We do work with each other a couple days a week, um, but nice. it's definitely nice to to have a little bit of space too. But it, it is challenging at times. I'm, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult schedule. So our schedule, you guys may know, but our schedule is a reverse rotator, and we're mostly on six day work week. So every other week, I work a six day work week uh, overtime because of our our volume issue. Um, so I we start at a uh, a night shift. My Monday is a is a night shift a two to 10. Then I go to a noon and then I go to a 6am and then I go to a, or a 7am and then I go to a 530. And then I come back after I get off at one thirty and come and work the midnight shift until at 6am. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, you, you get everything done in about four days, five days of work. Um, and then you come back for your overtime day. So it's, it's, a uh, it's a lot and it's kind of sleep depriving, but the benefit is, um, 
I'm not sure. What is it? Benefit is. <laughs> I don't know. You love what you do. Um, you do kind of get, if you work that overnight shift, you kind of get a little bit of an extra day off. But although you're sleeping for a portion of it, um, it's obviously not as busy at night. So it is kind of like a little bit of a break and then kind of lead into your uh, Friday kind of a longer ish feeling weekend, even though you've worked, you know, the full 40 plus hours that week. Right. Right. Well, you guys, uh, have been, uh, (laughs) <laughs> and we haven't even gotten into, we'll get, let's have you back on or something. Cause it's like, you guys are like novels, you know, we haven't even gotten into the real we, estate. Yeah. Uh, we did real estate and all this. Uh, we, we thought about trying to crowdfund the last estate you, uh, advertised the $1.9 <laughs> million. Uh, well, like, I'm, I'm happy to say as of, uh, two hours ago, that is under contract. So oh. uh, congratulations to hey. you. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> I did notice um, one of the comments I was reading. Someone had, or someone had commented about uh, Alyssa commented about being sent right over top of Nashville, going to John Tune. Um, that is something that I feel like when we go and talk, people don't didn't know before or, or weren't hadn't thought about is you know navigating all the way around the class Charlie, especially it being expanded now seems ridiculous if we're going east to west or west to east. A good spot for us. As controllers, obviously, you have to be taking talking to us, um, but a good spot is right over top of the airport at 3,500 because there's not going to be anyone there or shouldn't be. Right. Um, even in a go-around situation, there shouldn't be anyone there. So We have that top- in Atlanta. Yeah. They put us right over the top of Hartsfield at 4,500 feet. Yeah, it's a great spot. So if you give us a call, and a lot of times if you ask for that, we know that you know the, the drill. Uh, yeah, exactly. A lot of times we'll just do that. If you call us, you know, a little bit southeast and, and we get we get the choice to make a split decision on are we going to vector them around or are we going to send them over the top? You're going to get what we want. If you just say, I want to go over the top, 99% of the time you'll probably get that. Um, and so in Atlanta, there's the Bravo, you know, it's it's very big and it it adds the town that i grew up in is should be a 25 30 minute flight and it adds about 30 minutes to it almost doubles the flight having to go around and and you're exactly right they're do it exactly the same way hey uh want clearance in the bravo i'd like to go over the top and they'll say climb to 4500 and i need you to turn to a 180 heading and and they give you they'll vector you around a little bit but it's it's the best place to be and and everybody wins in this uh, situation yeah. It's great with a passenger because you get to put them over this this big airport and right. yeah. it seems yeah, cool. it seems so exotic and it's like oh it's just it's where they want me anyway. It's also just, it's also nice to have a, a, a anytime you can fly over a giant airport that has lots of emergency facilities. Um, yeah. <laughs> like when you're thinking about the best place to land, yeah. it's like yeah, this is great. Uh, I wish the whole world were just lined with yeah. airports like that. But uh, but yeah, so um, that's. That's super. I, I've definitely started to, when I'm coming from the East, I'll just go ahead and line myself up to kind of, to do that anyway. And and yeah. that seems to kind of predetermine that they'll just let me, they, right. you uh, will let me keep going. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's really, um, that's awesome. Well, look, we, we, we don't want to take all your time. We do want to take all your time, but we can't take all your time. Um, we did have some more things to, to talk about. Maybe we can have you back sometime in your copious spare time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but no, it, it means a lot to have you guys, like I said, reaching out, advocating, um, you know, helping people out in the community. And the only thing, my final words here are just going to be that, um, you know, my tail number is Cherokee 5116 <laughs> Lima, but Hey, some half the time it's my partner flying the plane. So yeah. if anything's going, you know, a little wacky, it's probably not me. If, if they're doing exactly the right <laughs> thing, yeah. uh, it's, it's probably me. No, um, but, uh, do you guys remember well, tails? Do you remember tail numbers? You have them like in your head, like, like you know, like the training planes at John Toon or that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we do. And, and, and obviously we're, we're friends with quite a few pilots and, and, I'll recognize the call sign. I'll think who who is that? But yeah, no, I, I I remember quite a few, and I'll I'll talk to you if I if I can remember it. And you know, if you ever get in a bad situation, just tell them that I said it was okay, and it won't it won't help. It won't help. 
It might make it worse. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. right. Like, there's just going to be like a name for it, like the, the Weckler Pass or something. Like it's the, the, uh, well, thank you guys so much. Um, do we, uh, Ben, you want to do our little quick housekeeping thing? I guess yeah, that'd be great. Like, and and I want to offer my thanks as well. Uh, it was very nice to meet you both. Um, we'll have your um, info in our show notes, uh, how to get in touch with you for the real estate. Um, I've got four years to go and I can retire from my job. So there's going to be a really good chance. I might be calling on y'all Much to my wife's uh, dismay. Uh, So, yeah, we want to, but thanks. We'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye now and and thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I'll leave you with, uh, uh, Brian, I know you had asked, uh, about doing this uh, more routinely and, and we, you know, like I said, our schedule is, is pretty crazy, but anytime that we can link up we're and you guys have some questions, uh, we, we'd love to do it. So, yeah, happy to be here. I really appreciate you guys so much. It's an absolute yep. pleasure. I mean, it's, I feel automatically like I'm a better pilot already just because, <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot of things and I feel like if I screw up, I've got somebody I can call to help me out. So, uh, no, but I really appreciate you guys yep. so much. Thank Thank you very much. You guys can go ahead and disconnect and uh, carry on with your lives. And uh, we're going to sit here and <laughs> figure out how to spend money instead of make money. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you guys. Thanks. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for getting those guys. Uh, they were awesome, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that um, if that if that's something we could do almost like on a near monthly basis yeah, it would be exactly. so helpful i have yeah, cool if we get controllers from all over the country and and learn about you know their different challenges well from i think we can space. pick their brains for another you know once a month for a year straight and still have yeah. questions yeah. for them yeah and I, I feel bad in the sense that everybody like i'm so it's it's such a unique point of view to be in this particular airspace and the unique challenges of this airspace, but I hope that people got something out of it that is more universal. Um, but, uh, if anything, you know, they're, they're people too, and they, they're, they're customer service oriented and they want us to win. They want us to succeed and right. they want us to stay the hell away from other airplanes. So, yeah, which is what we also want. Um, so Absolutely. that worked Thanks out great. Touch. Yeah. Well, uh, we wanted to let our audience know we broadcast live on YouTube, usually every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and was that 5 Pacific? You can find us at youtube.com slash at midlifepilotpodcast.com. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it. YouTube.com slash at midlifepilotpodcast. Uh, live chat is always open. We're, we love the feedback we, you give us. Um, the audio only version of this podcast is at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your, uh, podcasts Please and people can sure. support us, right? 25 cents there. an episode. I'm getting there. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. <laughs> support us through Spotify, 99 cents a month, 25 cents an episode. I mean, that's the best deal going. Uh, your, your support helps us, uh, at least try to get our heads above water, Maybe purchase a little bit of equipment. We also <laughs> Ted, work- get Ted out from being a, under the submarine that he's oh, in. <laughs> my audio is or my uh, my video is so messed up. Yeah. Oh, nice. So new cameras, new mics. We love getting feedback. We love your suggestions. Uh, we've gotten a suggestion from Carl S in the inbox, which is at Midlife Pilot podcast at gmail.com Ted if you could throw that up there Carl suggested we're going to probably implement this next week as a kind of a flight following or where are they now we're going to interview somebody in our uh, that's following us see where they are today and then maybe check back in with them for six months um, so that was yeah. a suggestion from a listener yeah to say uh, we would like you to keep like sort of bring somebody in get the, where they are now and what their challenges are and what they're what they've managed to get done and maybe what they need to get done or how they're doing. And then we can choose maybe some interval, six months or whatever. And then we're going to bring them back on and kind of just check with them. So we can kind of follow along with people that are perhaps in similar tracks or, or, you know, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I do too. Thanks, uh, Carl S. Uh, There's one more bit of feedback that I wanted to touch on uh, and, and wanted to talk about our discord server. Uh, Taylor in sent us and, uh, some feedback. Hello, big fan of the podcast. I'm a fairly regular listener more frequently as of recent. I'm 37 years old toward the ends of my, toward the end of my PPL currently at 45 hours trying to balance taking lessons while raising a family. 
I enjoyed the discussion you guys have. It's truly helped me. On the last episode, you guys talked about your binder and how much value you got from it, but that wasn't sure what you were talking about. Would you mind sharing? Well, we put a, a call out to the dis, uh, people in the Discord, and they stepped up mightily, and Taylor joined our, our Discord server, and he had um, all the information he could possibly want, and probably more some. So, Binders. Uh, binders are important. I've got one right behind me for the commercial. Yeah, I didn't even know so, about it. Email us at midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com and say, I want to be part of the discord and we will send you an invite and you can join one of the greatest communities that I know of. What do you think? That sounds great. Yeah. I think, um, it gets better and better all the time. And it's, uh, now that we started doing these once a week, uh, things have kind of accelerated and it's been really cool to see. Um, uh, and you guys have been great stepping up for the great Chris Moran, Miss him, and uh, and uh, I mean he's not dead. We can we don't have to we don't have to pour one out for him or anything. <laughs> no. We need to bring him back on soon. Yeah, uh, good good to see Flying Midwest podcast uh, in the chat. Hey, I've uh, been listening to you guys. Y'all y'all are killing it over there too. Want to give a quick shout out to them. And we have a huge announcement, by the way. And, and oh, we, we was, didn't even yeah. really build this up, but mm-hmm. we are up against the wall on time a little bit. So maybe we can make this announcement. Uh, and I think it. I think Ted, you press the button and you say the thing. Yeah, I'm confused what this announcement is, though. Oh my God, are you? Serious? You're the Someone one that built the it, whole yeah. thing. What is the greatest thing that has happened in the last week, week and a half? Uh, my spouse flew in the plane for the first time. Oh, see. That's it's hard amazing. to it's hard to guess what it is. Uh, we we went on just slightly more than a pattern, and she's like, "Get me out of here!" And she's looking forward to going again. So we'll, we'll talk more about that. We'll talk uh, about that next in week. Next week's hangout but show. What Brian and I are talking about is yep. Why don't you tell our group about what that is? Ted's taking his clothes off. I'm yeah. taking my clothes off. The so, audio, the audio people um, yeah, need to understand you, you, that this has gotten scary. Be thankful. Oh, that that's nice. Alive. Yeah. So I have the uh, the fancy polo shirt. Uh, we've got. So we've opened a merch now. store. Is yeah. our announcement. And uh, people are, are getting uh, merchandise like crazy this week. I've, I've seen, you know, there's some uh, there's some T-shirts out there. Uh, I got a mug in many, many pieces. Uh, there's lots of stickers out there. And uh, yeah, I got this polo shirt. Um, sizes seem to be a little large. So oh, okay. let us know what, what you feel when you Have you stuff. washed it yet? I did. I washed it on super hot and dried it super hot, hoping that it would shrink. Oh, so, you and it's still back? like a size big. So I'm just saying... You know, oh, it's fine. The hats are the most comfortable hats I own. I love my hat. I'm going to go buy a different one with a different color scheme. So store.midlifepilotpodcast.com. It'll be in the doobly-doos or the show notes, whichever you prefer. Um, we've got a lot of great things in there. T-shirts, hats, glasses, stickers, mugs. It's it's uh, Brian, you and, and Ted did a really good job putting that thing together. Buttons for your jean jacket. That I used to have in the closet from 1984. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, that's and Ted, awesome. Ted, the shirt you're wearing, the polo shirt, that's like a, it's got like an embroidery kind of thing on it, right? Like it's not just some. Yeah, it's it's legit embroidered, which is pretty amazing. It, it also has it on the on the sleeve. So oh, that's cool. That was pretty cool. I like wearing like kind of little button up shirts, and yeah, so it's. We gotta get you good. one that the two people can't fit in. So what, what <laughs> yeah. size is that? This is a large, which is what I normally okay. wear. Uh, I'll really order medium, and I'll see how it how it compares. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they're made in Madagascar, apparently. So well, that's what they're known it. for: embroidered <laughs> uh, polo shirts. Yeah. Even back to. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's not just merchandise, right? We actually, for the first time have a legit logo design. And so that's part of, uh, all of that. We've been kind of just trying to button up this thing a little bit and, uh, do a lot of the things. And so it's a, it's a big step and it's been really cool to see people go in and, and get the shirts and get the things and, uh, and to see how people are sending us pictures in the discord of, uh, in various states of disarray. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Josh. (laughs) Well, Josh sent us one from like the gym or something. Um, but you know, thanks I think for we saw Chris C's hat too, didn't we? 
Yeah, oh, yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to order that one as well. So eventually, um, we can make all those like weird photos that people send. We can make those the product display photos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Nice. Very good. Uh, anything else, gentlemen, for the good of the order? Well, uh, so next week uh, we're going to have a uh, catch up with the host. Uh, I've got lots of things I want to ask Brian about. I know that uh, Ben's got a lot going on and I've got a couple things like uh, that tower tour I did. that are kind of interesting. So I guess oh, yeah. we're going to talk about next week. And uh, yeah, what else? So it'll be it'll be kind of quiet, right? We had we're, just, we're having like a lot of we've been having a lot of people on. Yeah, yeah, only three people. Uh, yeah, it'll kind of be nice. You know, um, I noticed in some of the Spotify analytics that uh, it seems like we get a really positive reaction to the, the Cross Country One Hundred and One, the the kind of the educational stuff that we've done in the past. So we might want to think about putting that back in there a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I guess the problem is that we're not instructors, so the, it's a well, fine line we have to walk, right? We can offer true. you the conventional wisdoms that we've maybe picked up, but they are not empirical or sanctioned. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And Biff mentioned in the chat, Ben approved the low-wing logo. I It was more or less of a, I didn't want to con- confront my partners on this than having to go with a high wing uh and maybe one day i'll end up in a low wing who knows <laughs> well you know hey. from a des- from a design standpoint can i just say that if so you've got the text part of the logo and then there's the plane part of the logo if the plane for whatever reason would have been at the bottom of where the text is then it would have been better from a design standpoint probably to have a high wing it's okay. just about the way kind it kind of, of sits in the text I, a little I bit. I agree. I, again, I liked it. I, I, I gave it my blessing. And I mean, uh, to be clear, two-thirds of our hosts fly high wings. So it doesn't matter. It's like... It, it, hey, I fly a high wing when I can. I rent yeah. one. <laughs> there you go. I, I, All right. I, yeah. Well, why don't we call it a night? Wrap it up. Yeah. Um, guys, thanks for the time tonight. Uh, thanks to everybody in the live audience and your involvement. We appreciate you. Again, like, subscribe, email us. Come buy some of our merchandise, please. Uh, leave us a review. What else am I forgetting, Brian? I think that's it. I was just going to say, if anybody didn't listen to the podcast last week, it was really an excellent one uh, with, with uh, Aviation 101, Josh Flowers. And I think it'd be great for people to go check that out if you haven't. Absolutely. Well, signing off, episode 48. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thanks.